Hey, it's Solomon and Adra. Adra and Solomon. Whichever way you want to say it. And before we get started with this episode, we just wanted to let you know that you're listening to an older episode and you may notice some differences. Firstly, we've changed the name of our podcast from Art Mythos to Afro Mythos to better reflect our focus on African mythology. Additionally, we've also changed our name from SAR to Adachi. That's right, but don't worry, it's still the same great podcast and you're on the right page. We're excited to continue sharing our love of African mythology with you. And we hope you enjoy this episode. So let's dive into the fascinating world of Of African mythology. Episode 4 of Art Mythos. African mythology told through art. We are your hosts, Solomon and Adra. And we're back with another episode telling our favourite African mythology stories. We hope you enjoyed the last episode on Yamaya, Yamoja, whichever one you want to call her, mother of Orishas and Oceans. In this episode, you will talk about one of the most well-known Orisha. Patron of the city boys, the man who walks so future could run. When you hear of Yoruba demons, this is the king of them. The god of masculinity, sexual prowess, warrior strength and dance. Today, I introduce to you my hero, the Orisha of Fire and Lightning. Look at the way that she's looking at me right now, but it was worth it for that epic introduction. We're talking about Shango. So, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Shango represents masculinity in its various forms, the same way Oshun represents femininity, and they're often paired together in many stories. Shango is a warrior and ruler of both fire and lightning. And what's unique and makes Shango so relatable is the fact that in almost all of his parts, Shango incarnated as a human at one point. So he carries all the flaws that we humans have to face and many internal challenges that we go through. In the stories, he is said to have been the fourth ruler of Oyo. And as he died, the Orishas looked kindly on him and made him one of them. He is a very palatable hero archetype and he dominates in sports, martial arts and dancing. He is a revered, he's revered for being strong, athletic and also very fertile. Think of like Nick Cannon meets Genghis Khan. Yeah. He is known to have had many lovers. But infidelity is also his fatal flaw, mm-hmm. his Achilles heel, you know. Yeah. The child support checks must be hitting hard. <laughs> In many of his stories, infidelity brings him ill fortunes. In most representations, he's depicted holding two a two-sided axe. He wears red and white and normally has a red crown. He is a philanderer and his big ego that he struggles, he struggles to keep in check. He's a great king, strict but fair, prideful but intelligent, and he's a great warrior who works hard to make his people happy. That sounds great. Yeah, that is Shango. <laughs> he's, you know, one of the most well-known um, Orishas, really. Great. Yeah. Okay, 
so after that great intro, <laughs> I'm now going to tell you a bit about Shango's origins in Africa. Okay. So during the 18th and 19th centuries, thousands of Yoruba, Bini, and Fon people were enslaved and transported to Americans. So the Americas are basically places in the Caribbean and South America. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, these are where the African slaves were transported. Mm-hmm. And many of them there were able to reestablish Shango's worship. So in the early 21st century, Shango was worshipped in the voodoo religion of Haiti, the Santeria tradition of Cuba, and also the Candomblé. 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 We love that word. It's a cult? What? Yeah, it's a cult. Okay, cool. Cult of Brazil. Okay, so there are also two new religious movements which bear his name. So the Trinidad Shango, which is also known as the Shango Baptists, and the Afro-Brazilian cult Shango. So it's basically Shango, but with an X. Shango? Yeah. Does it um, sound different? Or is it just said the same way? I don't know, because sometimes X's are like... Do you know what I mean? So I still say Shango. Shango, yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. So when I was doing my research, the this African-Brazilian cult, Shango, came up quite a lot. And it actually kind of reminded me of the Dothraki from Game of Thrones. So, you know, uh, do you remember that? Like, Cardrogue? Yeah, like those kind of people. Oh, right. Like, okay, so let me describe it. So basically, the religious worship centers on the chapelle, a small cult house, and the palais, a tent where ceremonies and healings take place. So each year, the Palais is the scene of a major festival for Shango that ranges from the recitation of the Lord's Prayer to manifestations of Shango's spirit and animal sacrifices. Mm. So at the festival, someone called an elegant Shango, which is a devotee, dances to the beat of a drum while waving the staff in wrestling gestures, suddenly drawing the staff to himself in a motion of quiet serenity. So you just imagine someone like dancing the beat of a drum. If you watch Game of Thrones, you can imagine it very well. Like, do you know what I mean? Just like in a heart somewhere. So the significance of this dance with the staff is that Shango's staff staff visualizes his unpredictable and violent power. Mm-hmm. And this power can be personified through dance. So that's why they dance with the My, staff. Okay. You know? Yeah. As well as this, Shango is said to have played the bata drums, bata, beta, I don't know, drums to summon storms. So they continue to be used by his devotees for that purpose. So a bassa drum is basically, you know, that double-headed drum. It's kind of mm. shaped like an hourglass. Right. And yeah. like one end is a bit longer than the other. And like it's probably the stereotypical African drum that you imagine when like you think of it. You know, those ones, yeah. Um, so that's what Shango uses. Mm. Um and Shango's power is often also normally compared to the libidinal drive. So as you touched on in your fabulous intro. <laughs> This is a person's overall sexual drive or desire for sexual activity. Mm-hmm. So this drive often proves dangerous to the possibilities of creative sexual relationships in the cult. And also this interpretation would often reinforce some racial stereotypes of African male sexual prowess. So yeah, back so, in the day. What's this cult called? <laughs> okay, so as with any Orisha deity, people often have specific offerings they give to Shango. So, do you have any guesses of what that might be? Mm, let's think. To Shango, would you give him. I don't know. I don't know. Drums? Music offering? 
okay. No, no, no. Okay. Good, right. but no. So you've got like the generic animals, like a male goat, dark sheep. But something interesting I stumbled across mm-hmm. was the food amala. Amala. Okay, amala. wait though. Okay, so <laughs> it's also known as like amala de Django, but it's not to be confused with the Yoruba dish amala. Oh. It's different. Yeah. Wow. So this ritual dish offers a shango. It's a stew made of chopped okra, onion, dried shrimp, and palm oil. And it's normally served on a Wednesday as this is known to be shango's day. And you know how many Orishas have like a special day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's normally served like on an altar, on a large tray, decorated with some okra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds really nice. good. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so not amala. Not not amala, but okay, cool. yeah. <laughs> you mm. can also add some beef or oxtail to it, but it's not like the Yoruba amala. It's called amala de shango. Okay. So uh, it's it's a completely different dish. Um, and yeah, that's I literally stumbled across that, and I was like, ooh, because when I first read amala, I was like, oh, they give him amala, <laughs> but then obviously it's not the same type of amala. Mm. But it still sounds really nice, like shrimps, beef. Let's make it. Cook it in a bit of palm oil. Yeah. yeah it looks, Why not? Yeah. It sounds really tasty. Mm, okay. If you see on the Instagram story, <laughs> some Amala. Yeah. The Shango. Amala de Shango. That's Not to one. be confused with Yoruba Amala. I get it now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, so that is his origins in Africa. Yeah, origins in Africa. So, okay. yeah. Next, we are going to be talking about some of our favorite origin stories. Origin stories. Yeah. So there are many interesting stories about Shango, mm-hmm. too numerous to tell in our time limit, obviously, yeah. but we will tell you some of our favorites. So I'm going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout history, Shango and Ogun have been in constant conflict, um, both always at war with one another. They have been ops since they were children to this very day. <laughs> so in Yoruba land, the Orishas were disgusting their, but they're disgusting, their disgust of Ogun. <laughs> and it was often said that Ogun tried to rape his mother, Yumaya, as we said in the last episode. Yeah, that remember. wild story. Yeah, some Oedipal shit going on here. <laughs> um, so Shango one day... <laughs> yep. Shango one day overheard the whispers of the deed and yeah. was furious and he decided that he'll get his own revenge on Ogun for his mother. Yeah. So please remember that is for his mom in it. Yeah, so. yeah. So... In this story, Oya and Ogun were married together. One day, when Ogun left the house, Shango came to visit. He knocks down the door and tells Oya, you belong to me now. Yeah, because patriarchy and clear, this is how you get girls. Do not try this at home, guys. I'm not speaking from experience, but it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, Shango then proceeds to have sex with Oya despite her protest. Rape? Let me land. Let okay. me land. And yes, rape. But by the end of when they finished, yeah. she had fallen madly in love with Shango. Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, so what do you think happened here? Was it Stockholm Syndrome or just good D game? Right? What? Let's carry on. Okay, cool. Anyway, as Ogun comes back, realizing his wife was gone, he goes around looking for her until he goes to Shango's house and he knocks on the door saying, Shango, come out here. Shango comes out in a robe 
and says in a straight face, how can I help you, bro? Um, oh, wow. <laughs> Ogun says, give me back my wife. I know she's here. Shango responds, sure, but we'll let her decide. Because suddenly he's an advocate of consent, you know. Yep. Um, suddenly. It, it makes sense. Yeah. So at this point, Oya sticks out her head out the window and asks Ogun, can we help you? Ah! <laughs> I think I'm going to stay here, you know. <clears throat> oh my God. So Ogun was obviously embarrassed and he gets angry saying, he's hypnotized you. Women ain't shit. These hoes ain't loyal. All wow. of that. And he threatens that even though he's the god of thunder and lightning, I will destroy him and make you mine again. To which Oya just said, she laughed. It says that she rolled her head back and laughed wow, so it was at a him. Deep yeah, belly deep, laugh. Deep one. And said, close the door, please. And ever since then, it was on site whenever Ogun saw Shango, because you really can't come yeah, back. Yeah, you can't that come, one. yeah. Yeah, so what do we think of this story? Like, um, I just think it's really wild. I mean, I didn't expect Boya to stay with Shango. I mean, it must be uh, one specimen of a specimen for that to happen. Then again, he is um, the archetype of. Yes, you know, as we would say later with our painting, he is meant to be very beautiful. So, yeah, so you know, it makes sense. Yeah, that aspect makes sense. But yeah. Still, right? Still, like. But I. <laughs> Two wrongs don't make a right, but he Ogun did rape the mom. mom. But then yeah. again, it's not Oya's fault either. Yeah, so. exactly. It's like she yeah. didn't deserve this. Yeah. Once again, the women are joking. <laughs> She's right. Once again, the women taking <laughs> the fall for the men's yep. BS. Like, you know, why couldn't they just fight each other straight up, you know? But you know, that's how we do it. Okay. Anyway, so are you gonna tell your story now? Yes, so I'm gonna tell my origin story that I liked of Shango, because as you said, there's loads. So this okay. is the one that I liked. Okay. Shango origin story starts with him as obviously the legendary fourth king of the ancient kingdom of Oya. Like you guys didn't know that already from Solomon's intro. <laughs> so Shango was known for ruling with a whimsical use of power. He was also described as a powerful king with a voice like thunder and a mouth that spewed fire when he spoke. I love that. Thunder. <laughs> thunder. So one account says that Shango was fascinated with his magical powers. So because of this, he was kind of like a kid in a candy shop and he inadvertently caused a thunderstorm and therefore lightning struck his own palace, killing many of his wives and children. Damn. Like, what, what a mess up was that? Like, what the hell? I messed up, man. How'd you I add, mess up. Like, what? <laughs> wow, okay. Um, so because of this, he left his kingdom and travelled to Kosso where he hung himself. Yeah? Yeah. Zero? A hundred. Damn. Shame was too much, apparently. Um, so when his enemies would cast contempt upon his name, a rash of storms would appear and destroy parts of Oya. And Shango's followers proclaimed that he had become a god and said that the storms were Shango's wrath avenging his enemies for speaking against his name. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay, this makes sense. Yeah, so gather those thoughts because a similar story to this 
is that Shango was actually challenged by a subordinate chief mm. who impressed all of the townspeople with his magic. And therefore, the townspeople were like, oh, forget Shango, this guy's got magic too. And as you know, Shango was very proud of his power. And because of this defeat, he left the kingdom of Oyo and hung himself. Every day, hung for what? <laughs> like, yeah. This is not the only solution, guys. You know, I thought like there were steps that could be put in place before that. So his faithful followers claimed that he really ascended to the heavens on the chain. And they also said that this disappearance was not him dying. It's not death. But it's the beginning of his transformation into an Orisha. Mm, I said that at the start. The yeah. gods took pity on him and yes. decided to make him an Orisha. Yes. So, yeah. But with my stories, it kind of had this, the same theme of like him killing himself, either because he accidentally killed his wife and children or because some guy with better powers came along. I can just imagine that. <laughs> so, yeah. And then... That, that was my Shango origin story, basically. Okay, guys, you're in luck because what? You're getting a third Shango story? What's going on here? Oh yeah, my this goodness, is what is trip. going on? <laughs> <laughs> but there was, there was too many good stories for us to only pick two, so I'm going to give you another Shango story. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. Let's go. So another Shango story um, that I like is to deal with his, his relationship with his parents and how he finally saw the light. Yeah. So Shango, son of Obatala, was a mischievous boy. Even Obatala, known for his patience, was frustrated with him. I'm imagining a Super Nanny episode <laughs> needed here. So after he fell victim to way too many of his child's pranks, Obatala finally got fed up and expelled Shango from the house. Mm-hmm. So Yamaya pitied the homeless child and took him in for years. She raised him as if he was her own child. As the years went on, Shango started to forget his father yeah. until he no longer remi- remembered a life before Yamaya. Yeah. Um, when he came of age, he left the house and he became a nomad traveling. He had no goals or ambition. He was a whatless individual just <laughs> living on vibes. 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 As the years passed, he had many encounters with many women. Um, the same way he had forgotten his father, after a while, he also forgot Yamaya. And after some time, he was lost in the source for a while. In a cycle of partying, fighting, and women, all of that. Wow. So, one night in a party, he was dancing, singing, vibing, when yeah. he looked up and met a woman's eyes. Though he had been with many women, he had not had these feelings before. Wow. It was not just lust and passion, but tenderness and care. Love. But because he did not understand the difference, he tried to move to her. He asked the woman, have we met before? Would you like to spend the night together? And went in to kiss her. Oh, I feel at this point it's worth mentioning that this woman was Yamaya. Um, and as he came to kiss her, she turned back and swerved him like Lucinda did Aaron. 
She knew of who he was and had kept up with what he had been getting up to. She knew where that mouth has been. Anyway, Shango kept trying to make advancement to no avail. You're probably wondering why she doesn't just tell him, you know? Yeah. But no, she was thinking of a plan to teach her adopted child a lesson. She's known as the mother of feminism. um, So it's only right that she taught him to respect and cherish women. So she said, come with me and brought him to the beach where there was a boat. Shango at this point got really scared because as you guessed it, he can't swim. Yeah, typical, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. anyway, Yamaya convinced him to get on the boat to the ocean to get to her place. Anyway. Yeah. Um, when they were deep enough in the water, Yamaya jumps into the water to the bottom of the sea. She's like, All right, I'm going to head out. All right, I'm head out. Yep. <laughs> um, leaving Shango rattled, trying to row to land. Soon a massive wave came to the boat. It got about a hundred times the height of the boat. Um, Shango conceded defeat to the ocean. Crash, bang, drip. Any water noises you want to make there? Um, (laughs) Shango was trashed into the water beneath the surface. He found his way up for air and back onto the boat when he saw Yamaya walking on water towards the boat. He begged to be saved. She said yes on the condition that you respect your parents and women. He said, how can I respect my parents when my father abandoned me as a child and I never knew my mother? So Obatala, after watching all these actions unfold, appeared and said, Shango, Yamaya is your mother. You must respect her. Although I brought you into this world, I could not raise you. Yeah, I was wondering, did he really give birth to Shango? Yeah, I was thinking, wait, credit like that. But, you know, but yeah, he said, Yamaya had the patience to take care of you until you matured. So Shango apologized for forgetting her face and thanked her for raising him. And there he learned a very valuable lesson. And although he respected women more, he was still a womanizer. Of course he was. Of course. Like, it's in his mix. Like, he kind of has to be right now. Like, yeah, you know, that, that, that's all he It's knows. written in his that's, code. That's his DNA, in it? So, yeah, but, that, yeah. You know, he learned some lessons there. And I think they love this whole Oedipal... Oedipus complex, yeah. Because that's a recurring, reoccurring theme but, I'm seeing here. Yeah, I really like the story, though. I liked the imagery of, like... Yamaya walking in water and Shango like drowning, trying to like mm-hmm. sing help. She taught that, him that lesson, make, like, Yeah, that would literally make such a nice painting. Yeah, definitely. I um, really think so. Like, I can see like that. that yeah, yeah, it looks so nice. Mm-hmm. Breaking the surface of water. You know, Huxai wave when it's like. Yeah, like I can really imagine that mm, as a beautiful painting. That would be cool. That would be cool. Guys, that's our next painting. <laughs> Hint, hint. Hint, hint. <laughs> Which kind of slides us nicely into the next segment. Slides. Um, <laughs> so now let's get into our depiction of Shango in our painting, The Flame That Consumes Us. What an amazing painting. That was actually really so fun to do. Yeah, it was really fun to do. It was. How did you think of the name? Because obviously you named this one. Mm, the flame that consumed us. I guess it's because it was the idea of 
flames and fire being not just, you know, a physical force of nature, but yeah. it can also represent like, you know, different characteristics, different thoughts that sort of overcome us. You know, it sometimes represents aggression or different sorts of things. So the yeah. idea of it sort of engulfing someone, which I think, yeah, it's also a great, like, um, the picture of how Shanga is probably, like, his anger and his, like, wrath engulfs him sometimes. Yeah, definitely. It? And there's many stories about that. Um, one to do with how he was killing so many people. And yeah. then Robert sort of just says, stop, you, you know, you need to, you know, you're driven by aggression, yeah. but you need to make sure that um, you remember your emotions and to be gentle, which is why his colours are now... Not just red. They used to be just red. Um, yeah. But Obatala made him wear red and white. White, yeah. And white to yeah. remember his yeah. emotions. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Um, so <laughs> as you would have gathered from the origin stories that um, we've just spoken about, um, themes that usually come up when involving Shango of like destruction, authority, magic, creativity, and moral power. So the colours associated with him, like you just said, are mm. not only red, but white. Because mm. um, often these colours paired together are associated with being holy. And they also give off these fiery vibes that we've got in our painting as well. Definitely. Um, so yeah, his elements are thunder, lightning and fire. So we kind of chose this like in the abstract form of like fire and like that vibe of thunder and lightning to depict these natural elements dancing around his face, almost like engulfing his face because his emotions engulf him a lot. Like in the story that I just spoke about, his like kind of childlike whimsicalness engulfed him so much that he accidentally killed half his wife and children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it also, (laughs) yeah, it shows that, you know, dealing with mental issues, because obviously he killed himself. Yeah, his shame engulfed him so much that he... Um, like killed himself so so you know sometimes rage sometimes pride yeah sometimes all these different Last, emotions from so much he just has sex with so many women like so he's a very emotional Arisha, character, yeah, he? yeah. Definitely. i guess that's the human side of him yeah uh, taken 100 yeah um so traditionally he's often depicted with a red cloth um with that like, quiet squares painted um He's also often depicted with like white shell, um, white shells and beads, and mm. you know, white and red beads. And he's normally shown dancing or flaunting his axe. Um, his axe, by the way, which is a symbol of thunder. So I didn't know an axe was a symbol of thunder, like no, the weapon, but apparently it is. Yeah. Interesting fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember um, one of the drawings that I've, I've done in the past. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it was of my brother and he wanted to um, be depicted as Shango. Yeah. And so it's like it's him holding these axes and like, yeah, him in like the robes and all that. Although it's in black and white because I worked yeah. in pencil, you know, it really depicted the whole thunder, like, yeah. know, vibes. And you know, like how fire dances, he's also that type of like erasure. He's very dancey. He's like, mm-hmm. it said that no other erasure will give higher jumps or dance more violently or make stranger gestures than Shango. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the one. Like, he's he kind of wanted him at a party. He's the one yeah. that everyone's like, Standing around in a circle. circle. Yeah, and he's like... Yeah, that's the guy. Azonto warrior, that's what he is. Should have been gone in. (laughs) So the dancers of Shango are usually like more erotic or warrior-like because, you Mm. know, he's like kind of a sexual god. But he's also very like fiery. Um, 
Yeah. So maybe in our next full body depiction of Shango, you'll see a lot of these attributes. Mm, yes, yes, like, definitely. Yeah, maybe like you can see him like dancing or something. That would look pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like going to some Shango dance classes and learning <laughs> some of these moves, you know. Yeah. Guys, dancing is cool. <laughs> oh my God. Just saying. Okay. Essential skills. <laughs> So in this next segment, um, we're going to be talking about some African folk tales as we normally do. And Adjo is going to be telling us um, one about the king's magic drum. Very, yeah. very, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yep. Okay. So as Solomon said, um, this story is called The King's Magic Drum and it's from Southern Nigeria. So yeah. I picked it because it sort of fit around the theme of Shango being a story from Nigeria and also incorporating a drum because, as I said earlier, he liked to play on that drum. I can't actually drum. <laughs> like, it's on my to-do list, but, you know, I'm getting It's a lot of hand-eye coordination. By episode 100, if you don't see me being able to... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so, so. <laughs> this story starts with an ancient king of Calabar he was called Ephraim Duke. So we're gonna call him Ephraim. Um, so he was a peaceful king who didn't like war and he had this amazing drum where whenever it was beaten, it would provide lots of food and drink. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so like whenever you cornucopia. Yeah, I'm going to pretend like no, that means. <laughs> it's a Greek mythology, it's a cornucopia, which as you blow it, food of plenty comes out. Ah, okay. So I just thought it was very relevant. Nice, 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 nice. So, whenever a country was to declare war on him, obviously he'd call all his enemies together and then he'd beat this drum. Then suddenly, instead of fighting, the people would be surrounded by tables spread with a range of dishes, from fish to fufu and soup, to cooked yams, to okra, to lots of palm wine. Like, just imagine all of the lush... Imagine you're at an af party, that type of food. Um, wedding. Wedding settings. Uh, Someone yeah, needs to invite us parties. to their wedding, please. Fam, or a whole party. We are literally begging at this um, point. <laughs> I crave it. Okay. But yeah, that is vibes. Yeah. So, man said, we're not going to fight, we're going to eat. Yeah. So is, what he, is he fattening them up so that you can... <laughs> you know, when they get the itis no. and they're sleeping. <laughs> well, do you, they do say the best way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So he has something there. Because by the end of it all... He would send his enemies away with full stomachs and with happy, content frames of mind. And just like that, no war. Like, who knew it was that easy to stop a potential war from happening? Just feed them food. And then... Government, take notes. Tick, tick take notes. notes. FBI agent on my phone. Take notes. We're we we giving you the sauce for free. For free. But of course, there was one drawback to possessing this drum because everything has a tiny little fine print it comes with. So could you guess what this was? Um, I guess when you, nothing comes out of nothing. So does yeah. it come from somewhere? Like, does it drain something, well, like energy good. or something like that? No. Or does it drain resources from the land? No, but that, that would have been a good one, but no. 
So if the owner of the drum, this is way more weird. <laughs> if the owner of the drum was to walk over any stick on the road or to step over a fallen tree, then all the food would instantly go bad. Yeah. Is it some Stefan Stefan crack breaking <laughs> on his back? <laughs> so, this is where it came from, I'm joking. I know. But, this is why we don't walk through <laughs> yeah, them so, legs things. Yes. Yes, yes. It's because of this. So that doesn't sound too bad, right? Like the food yeah, just know, goes bad. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not bad. You know, the conditions aren't bad. You know? Yeah, nope. That's not all. Okay. <laughs> that is not all at all. So, as well as this, 300 EGBO, so not EBO, but the IGBO. This is, I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, this is EGBO. So, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but I'd say EGBO. Because I don't want to confuse it with Evo. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're, we're fine. Yeah. Yeah. So 300 Egbo men would appear with sticks and whips and beat the owner of the drum and all of his guests severely. I actually kind of researched what Egbo men were because I was confused between Evo and Egbo. And I think it's just some sort of tribe that's just just men. And they're right. very like... <sighs> okay, so, so you're saying that if you step on a stick on the road... Some or over a fallen tree, then all of your food would go bad. And then some wham men would just come and start beating, beating you. you. 300 of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the violence is very Shango esque. They would just start beating you like. Mm. I mean, <laughs> we love to hear it. Yeah. So, on with the story because it's a bit of a long one. Okay. Um, so, Ephraim Duke, the king, was a rich man and. He had loads of farms and hundreds of slaves. And as well as this, he had 50 wives. So definitely kind of like Shango there. He had loads of lovers, 50 wives. Shango, King Solomon. <laughs> I don't know. These are just some... some. I said King Ephraim. <laughs> <laughs> this guy said so. I said King Ephraim. I'm just saying, I'm, I see the relevance. <laughs> like, do you see the train of, of thought here? Very similar people. It ends there. Okay. <laughs> So obviously he had 50 wives, so that meant he had loads of children and his wives were all beautiful women and great mothers to their children. So in general, he was living a good life. Like he was living a great life. Like he can have food whenever he wants it. He has all these wives, has great children. So every few months, King Ephraim would send out invitations to his subjects to come to a big feast. So even the wild animals like leopards, elephants, and hippopotami would come. So it's obviously not an African folktale if it doesn't include animals in some sort of way. Um, this sound is like some lion king. <laughs> like, <Simba. laughs> yeah, because in those days, these animals were friendly to people and they would eat with people and, mm. you know, just chill. That sounds like a really serene It does, time. yeah. Yeah. So, of course, all the people and animals were envious of the king's drum and everyone wanted it for themselves because who wouldn't want a magical drum? I want it. Like, I kind of want it. Like, where can I get one? <laughs> Amazon? <laughs> Jeff Bezos, please? Jeff, get <laughs> Jeffrey, <laughs> stop going to space. <laughs> and it come back down. <laughs> so, one morning, Ikwa, one of the king's many wives, took her daughter down to the spring to wash her because she was quite ill. She was covered with these things called yours, which are like basically bad sores all over the body. Mm. Um, so, while she was washing her daughter in this stream, there was a tortoise on a palm tree. Um, he was cutting nuts for his midday meal. So. While he was cutting these nuts, one of them fell to the ground and landed just in front of the child. 
So the child being a little child cried for the food because she wanted it. And her mom, not knowing any better, picked up the nut and gave it to her to eat. Mm. So the tortoise saw this and he climbed down the tree and asked Ikwa, where's my nut? Like, I just dropped the nut. Where is it? <laughs> this is a palm nut, okay? Before, I can hear you laughing. <laughs> I don't know why you laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm just imagining it. Just... Like, imagine a palm nut. I don't know what palm nuts look like, but it's a nut. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, he asked where his nut was. And then she was like, well, I gave it to my daughter to eat. So the tortoise knew who this woman was. And he knew that she was married to the king. And he knew that the king had this drum that he wanted. Mm. So he was like, maybe if I cause a big scene over this, the king can give me his drum. Like, I mean, that's brave. Yeah. So he, the tortoise said to Ikwal, well, I'm a poor man and I climbed the tree to get food for myself and my family. Then you took the nut and gave it to your child. I will tell this to the king and see what he thinks when he hears that one of his wives has stolen my food. It's not that deep. It's one knot as well. It's not that deep. Like, what? I'll give you the knot. <laughs> I'll give you the whole tree. Okay. Like, what do you want? Yeah, go, peek up the knot. <laughs> so, obviously, in this time, stealing was a very serious crime. So, this was a big bet to make, especially to the king's mm. wife. Mm. So, Ikwa said to the tortoise, I saw your knot lying on the ground and thinking it had fallen from the tree, I gave it to my daughter to eat. But I didn't steal it. My husband, the king, is a rich man. And if you have any complaint to make against me or my child, I'll take you to him. She had bored. She was like, fine, if you want to complain, let me take you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so so another man caught in, you know, trouble that he did not make, you know. He's basically said that my man will throw hands, you know. <laughs> so when she finished washing her daughter, she took the tortoise to her husband and told him what had happened. King Ephraim then asked the tortoise, what he would like as compensation for his nut. Because as you remember, he was he was a kind king. He didn't want to get into any beef. He didn't like war. So he was just like, okay, what do you want then? She ate, she ate one of your nuts. What do you want? So the king offered him money, cloth, kernels, palm oil, all of which the tortoise said, no, I don't want that. So the king was like, what do you want then? I've, I've offered you everything. You can have anything you want. And the tortoise was like, anything? <laughs> Anything? This king is a better man because I'm looking at tortoise soup recipes at this point in time. So the tortoise pointed the king's drum and said, That's what I want. I want your drum. I want that one. <laughs> so, what do you think the king said? Um, the king said, I will cook you, <laughs> I will eat you. No, because King Ephraim was a lovely king, so he said, very well, take the drum, get out of my sight. Are you mad? Take it. But he didn't mention all of the bad things that would happen to the tortoise. Say if he happened to step over a fallen tree or walk over a stick on the road. He just said, okay, take the drum. My guy. It has no conditions. You had us in the first time, but you, <laughs> you knew what you were doing. He's like, no one comes for my wife and my daughter like that. So, you know. Mm. Um, so obviously the tortoise was so happy he got the drum he carried it home and triumphed to his wife and said I'm now a rich man and I'll do no more work whenever I want food all I have to do is beat this drum so his wife and children were so happy about this and asked the tortoise to beat the drum because they were so hungry he beat the drum the way that he had seen the king do many times before 
and loads of food appeared instantly. So they all sat down and ate a great feast. The tortoise did this for three days. Everything was going well. His children got so fat because they always had so much to eat. And he was so proud of his drum. And of course, to show off his new riches, he invited the king and all of the animals to come to a feast. You're inviting me to show <laughs> off the drum that you swindled from me. <laughs> you are mad. You are, you are very mad. <laughs> so... When the people received their invitations to this feast, they laughed because they knew the tortoise was very poor. So they were like, why is this poor guy attending, like, inviting us to a feast? Can he even afford it? Like, what's going on? So obviously, very few people attended the feast. But the king came because he knew the tortoise had the drum, so he was sure there would be good food there. And of course, the feast was great. I came with a bib. <laughs> yeah, he came ready. Fork and knife. Um, yeah, takeaway plate. <laughs> um, people are astonished. Lips? That- you mean bin bag? <laughs> people are astonished. <laughs> Sorry, people were astonished about the tortoise feast, and obviously the people that didn't come were very regretful because they were like, "Oh my god, free food! It's not every day that someone does a big feast like this. We should have gone." You lacked. They lacked. So, after this feast, people saw the tortoise as one of the richest men in the kingdom, and no one except the king could understand how a poor tortoise could entertain so lavishly, but they all made up their minds that, hey, if there's another feast, we're definitely going to be there. Do you know what I mean? Oh my God, about that. Oh my God, about that. (laughs) (laughs) So... The tortoise had had this drum for a few weeks now and because of it, he became very lazy and did no work. He would go around boasting about his riches and getting drunk on palm wine, like, oh, look at me, I can eat. One day after drinking loads of palm wine, he was walking home drunk, carrying his drum and he did not notice a stick on the path. Gang, 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 gang. Nollywood sound effects. So he walked over a stick and of course the juju from the drum was broken at once. <laughs> but he didn't know this because nothing happened at the time to signify that it was broken and he obviously didn't know that it was a thing. So he just went home and went to bed. Mm-hmm. So when he woke up, he began to feel hungry. His wife and his children were calling out for food. So he beat the drum, but instead of food, the house was filled with Egbo men who beat the tortoise and his family very badly. Can you imagine, you just wake up one day and you're hungry and you're like, let me beat my magical drum because it's worked so far and I just want food. But instead, 300 men come and beat you and your family. I got jumped in his yard. He got jumped. He invited it, in fact. Hey, well, let's beat his dog too. <laughs> so the tortoise was very angry at this and he said, last time I asked everyone to feast, but only a few people came and they had a lot to eat and drink. And now when I want food for myself and my family, these Egbos come and beat me up. He's like, no, I need to share this fate with other people. So I don't see why me and my family should be beaten up when I've given this feast to everyone. He's like, what's going on? Is it only me that's reaped the rewards of this? He's like, no, no, no. So he then sent out invitations to all the men and animals to come to a big dinner that day. Mm-hmm. Loads of people came this time because they didn't want to miss out on the food again. So even the sick men, the lame, the blind got their friends to lead them to the feast. Everyone was there. Guess he wasn't there. My guy, the king, in it? Of cause... course. 
King Ephraim, he came up with this excuse. He was like, oh yeah, sorry, me and my 50 wives and my children, we can't come today. Maybe next time. We, we, we are isolating. <laughs> we were isolating Corona, sorry. <laughs> Trials are going in seven days. <laughs> so when everyone came, the tortoise beat his drum and he hid himself under a bench where he could not be seen. He had already told his wife and children to like get away from here because he knew what would happen. So, of course, after this drum was beaten, 300 Ekbo men appeared with whips and started flogging the guests who could not escape because the doors were locked. This sounds like the Red Wedding. Yep. This literally gave me Red Wedding vibes. <laughs> so, the beating went on for two hours and people were so badly hurt that they had to be carried home. Can you imagine? <sighs> That's deep. That's very deep. Yeah, evil man. Evil. Like the only thing, the only like animal that could escape was the leopard, because obviously you know how fast they are. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, everyone beaten, flogged. So, of course, the people were so angry at the tortoise. So he was like, okay, fine. Let me just return this drum to the king because it's caused me too much trouble. And, you know, I've had my fun with it. So in the morning, the tortoise went to the king Ephraim and told him that he was not satisfied with the drum and he wanted to exchange it for something else. The cheek of him. <laughs> but I'm done playing with this toy. Thank you. I'm sorry. You have you have overstayed the warranty. It's 14 days. <laughs> this is day number 15. <laughs> you have used it. You ripped off the tag. What, what, what? Get out of my sights. Okay, so this is like the last part of the story. So obviously, the king... Um, he said to the king, I don't mind what you give me as long as it's the same value as the drum. You can give me a few farms, you can give me some slaves, you can give me some cloth, I don't really care. Just as long as it's like the same value as that. <laughs> so the king, he initially refused. He was like, why do I need to give you anything else? But being a good king, because you know, he's a good king, he felt sorry for the tortoise. So he offered him a magic fufu tree, which would provide his family with food if it was kept in good condition. So the tortoise took this gladly and this fufu tree only bore fruit once a year, but every day it would drop fufu and soup to the ground. Every day. Was it in a bowl or? No, you have to get your own bowl. You have to be going bowls to catch it. But the soup, is it just dripping? um, Imagine like a, I couldn't open a sink. (laughs) That's how I imagine it anyway. So the only condition was that the owner should gather sufficient food for the day and not return for any more. So you can only come to the tree once to get your fufu and soup for the day. You can't come like twice a day or three times a day. So you have to make sure when you collect, you collect enough. You know what I mean? So um, the tortoise did this and that night they feasted. But of course, one of his sons had become very greedy and he thought to himself, where does my dad get all this good food from? Like, we've been eating really good recently and I need to know where he's getting it from. You're asking too many questions. <laughs> so in the morning, he asked his father, where do you get all this food and soup from? But the tortoise refused to tell him and his wife had said to him earlier, if we let our children know the secret of the fufu tree, one day when we are hungry, they may go and gather more and break the juju. So mm, I guess that sounds fair enough, but personally, I'd probably tell them so that that doesn't happen. Do you know uh, what I mean? Because curiosity, you know? He killed the cat. But anyways, the greedy son was determined to get more food. So he decided to follow his father. He, his father always made it difficult for people to follow him because obviously he was always hiding stuff. He's got this magic food tree. He doesn't want people to follow him. So 
The son knew this and made a plan. He filled his dad's bag with wood ashes and poked a hole in the bag so that wherever his dad would go, it'd leave a trail of wood ashes. Mm. Quite smart, but also, who doesn't turn around every now and then when they're walking? Do you know what I mean? Like, surely you'd notice, like, a trail of wood ashes. It was like, really tiny. Maybe, yeah, maybe. And also, is there no wind in this scenario? <laughs> like, what the hell? Mm. <laughs> so, the, the um, boy eventually followed his dad the tortoise to the tree and he saw that his dad was collecting this fufu and soup from this magic tree mm-hmm. and he was like hmm okay so he said nothing but followed his father back home and they had a good meal however the next day the boy took some of his brothers to the tree but this was after his father had already collected food for the day but obviously he didn't know there was any rules so he took his brothers to the tree and they ate as much fufu and soup as they could they took so much fufu and soup from the tree that they broke the juju completely like just so much damn I know fufu is nice but come on like to be honest there's only so much you can have until you're like that's what I was thinking like one portion of fufu (laughs) knocked me out for the day like how can you be eating multiple portions so during the night a massive bush had grown and hidden the tree so the next morning when the tortoise went to the tree he couldn't find it there was nothing there but a dense mass of prickly palm and he knew at once that the juju had been broken so that day he gathered um, his family together and he told his wife hmm, someone has definitely broken this juju one of you have betrayed me <laughs> is it you? is no. it me? it's not me Jesus <laughs> You know when your parents call you from downstairs, they're like, they so use your full name, they're the like, meats oh, from no. the meat pots. <laughs> ah. So naturally, they all said they had nothing to do with this. They were like, I don't know what you're talking about. Magic food tree? What? Mm, I don't know. Um, so this brought the tortoise to despair because he was like, how could this happen to me? Like, how? So he took his family to the place where the tree had once been and he said to them, my dear wife and children, I've done all that I can for you, but you've broken my juju. You must therefore live in this prickly palm. <laughs> Sir? He was like, I don't care if you said no. I know one of you did it, so you're all living here now. <laughs> Sir? <laughs> so, <laughs> so they made their home underneath the prickly palm. And from that day, you will always find tortoises living under the prickly palm as they have nowhere else to go for food. And that's the story. Nice. It's a great story. Yeah, it started off with a magic drum and yeah. ended up a different, a different avenue. Different avenue, judge, betrayal, <laughs> curses, fufu. <laughs> Damn, it had everything really. Um, yeah, that was a great story. Yeah, as um, these stories do, they just kind of turn into something else yeah but But there's lessons to be learned don't be too greedy um yeah definitely in moderation um you know don't be complacent Mm -hmm. um don't be jealous of other people's properties and stuff like that yeah these are all lessons that you can sort of gather from these stories yeah and like when you've got enough of something don't take advantage of it and try and get more do you know what i mean sometimes it's like you have to know when to stop kind of thing yeah definitely definitely but it was a great story wonderful story okay so next segment is African proverb of the week I love this I'm 
I'm so excited to hear what your Africa proverb of the week is. So- week is wisdom is like fire people take it from others and this is from Hema from the um, Democratic Republic of Congo I believe it says DRC so it's probably that Mm -hmm. so what it means is that if someone has wisdom they shouldn't keep it hostage and instead they should share it with others because wisdom isn't meant to be a secret that's shoved to the back of someone's mind it's supposed to be spread with others to change their perspective someone who is afraid to share their wisdom is afraid of what others think in this proverb wisdom is being compared to fire because both things can spread easily and quickly and also they both could have a huge impact on things um, so yeah, um, that's the African problem of the week. I like that. Yeah, it's definitely. great. It's an amazing. Um, like share your knowledge. Proverb. Yeah, yeah, share your knowledge, and you know it also speaks to the idea of don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, ask people for their worldviews because they might have learned lessons that you know you will struggle to find out. And sometimes it's a lot more efficient and quicker to ask for elders or other people who have walked that path to tell you the shortcuts or tell you the secrets rather than being prideful and trying to start your own fire yourself. That's great. Yeah, so that's the African problem of the week. Love it. Episode four of Art Mythos. African mythology, so two art. And we have been your hosts, Adra and Solomon. Solomon, Adra, Adra and Solomon. But yeah, we'd like to say thank you for making it this far and listening to the whole episode. Please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, and definitely engage with us, talk to us, or yeah, like watch the rest of the videos. Or- yeah. And this is the rest of the podcast. We'd really like to know what you guys think of these stories because it, you know, it helps us to kind of know what stories to do next. Yeah, and how to like, curate it better. Yeah. So um, obviously we've been doing a lot of Orisha and Yoruba um deities, but as our artwork expands, we're going to be doing more Ghanaian, Egyptian, Haitian, and so much Zambi- more. like um, everything. Yeah, so, I guess the Orisha right now are the main focus because they're like one of the most well-documented um, pantheons in the African, um, you know, or of African origins. Yeah. So that's why we sort of start with them because it's like a really concrete yeah. um, pantheon set. But we have so much. But we will coming. be taking trips to other countries in Africa. Don't you worry. We'll Definitely. And mm-hmm. you're going to learn. You're going to learn today. You're learn today. Yeah. Thank you guys very much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, so this has been this week's episode and we will catch you in two weeks. Yeah, and it will be in two weeks. We just took a short hiatus and we're back. 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 Better than ever. Never left. (laughs) Um, Okay. So yeah, we'll catch you two weeks from now. So thank you. Bye. It's been great. It's been great. Adrian Solomon. Solomon, Adrian. (laughs)